I am not no morning person. That alarm clock went off this morning. I said, get thee behind me, Satan. Amen. There's no way. I'm just, anyway, I'm glad to be here. Boy, it's been a good service already, hasn't it? Amen. Grab your Bibles. Remain standing for just a moment. Turn to Matthew chapter number 3. Matthew chapter number 3, while the choir is finding their place. Uh, we're going to continue our journey through the New Testament as we stroll through the uh, book of Matthew, the book of the King. The book of the King. Boy, we got a lot of good stuff. How many of y'all, how many of y'all remember to get your outline this morning? All right, all right. Okay, that's not real good. <clears throat> all right, how many forgot to get your outline? Be honest now, be honest. Forgot to get your outline. Raise your hand. All right. Well, they're on the walls. I, I did a video and, and put it on there so you wouldn't forget it, and, and you did anyway. <clears throat> Listen, there in every, let's see, in, in all the foyers and uh, by the media center and by the coffee shop, there's going to be a shelf on the wall there, a, a little thing, and they'll be there every week. So make sure and stop and get them uh, because we want you to follow along. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you a lot more information than normal than I, than I have done in the past. But listen, how many of y'all know this world's getting crazy? And, and listen, and, and, and how many of y'all know the Bible says it's going to get crazier? And so the only thing we're going to have that's going to help us with the craziness of this world is the solidity of the Bible. And, and listen, this is concrete, that we be established, amen? And so I'm going to try to give you as much as possible, so make sure and get those outlines that you can follow along, and I promise you, you will be glad you did, amen? Matthew chapter number 4, or excuse me, chapter number 3 and we'll begin in verse number 1. Verse number 1. Are you glad to be saved? Amen. Amen. Verse number 1. In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. What's that word? Prepare. Say it again. Prepare. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins. I tell you what, Peter would have a problem with John Baptist. <laughs> he wore a fur coat and a leather girdle. Amen. And his meat was locusts and wild honey. The vegans wouldn't like him either. <clears throat> then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your blessings. Thank you so much for the privilege of being in your house. Man, it's a great spirit this morning. Lord, I know it's early and uh, we had to get up a little earlier, and, 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 and sometimes that's difficult. But, Lord, you're in the house, and we feel your presence, and we feel your spirit in this place. And, Lord, I pray that you'll guide and direct and bless all those that are here today. I pray that you'll guide my mind and my heart. Lord, I pray that I won't say anything I shouldn't, and I won't forget anything I should. I pray that you'll touch every ear, that they may comprehend and understand everything that's taught this morning. I pray that your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. You may be seated. Let's quickly, let's quickly go over a review to catch us up where we are. Uh, last week, we learned, uh, we learned that the, 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 the book of Matthew is basically the hinge on which the New Testament turns. In other words, it is the transition going from the Old Testament into the New Testament. And the only way to really understand the fullness of the New Testament, you got to understand that most of Matthew is still in the Old Testament. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. And so we know that Matthew is the book of the king. In other words, Matthew is drawing a picture. He is revealing to the nation of Israel because this is a primary a Jewish letter. He is writing to the Jewish people. It is Jewish in content. And he's trying to get them to see. And he's writing for the purpose that they understand that Jesus Christ was the promised king. If you're with me, say amen. Preacher, what do you mean the promised king? See, see we went back. 
We went, we went back last week and we went back to the Old Testament and we found out a couple of things. One, we found out that God promised to David that there would be somebody from his family, somebody from his family line that would sit on the throne and have an everlasting kingdom. The Davidic kingdom would be from everlasting to everlasting. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So that was promised to David through the prophet Nathan. And so uh, we know, we know that, that how many of y'all know there's not a king in, on the throne in Israel right now? All right, what happened? The nation of Israel rebelled. The nation of Israel got ignorant on God and started doing stupid things, following false gods and, 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 and worshiping Baal and everything else. And because of their sin and their wickedness and their rebellion, God put a time out. There was a cessation of kings. They were scattered abroad all over the earth. Okay, are y'all with me? He told them, if you don't straighten up, you're going into captivity. Guess what happened? They went into captivity. God scattered the people. God scattered the nations. But that we see that, that there was a cessation of kings. And then the third thing we learned last week, that, that the prophets of the Old Testament promised that God was going to bring them back and God was going to establish David's kingdom just like he promised King David and he would send a Messiah, a king, to rule in the heavenly kingdom. Are y'all with me? And when I say heavenly, I don't mean heavenly as up in the heaven. I'm talking about a kingdom on earth that is like heaven. Are y'all with me? So we learned that last week. We learned that, that God promised to David an eternal kingdom on earth. You got to get that. That's important. In order to understand the book of Matthew, you got to understand he's talking about an earthly kingdom. Anytime you hear David's throne or the throne of David, it is talking about on earth. On earth. Okay, and they messed up because of their rebellion. God had to judge them. God had to punish them. And because of that, they were scattered abroad. They went into captivity, went into exile. There was a cessation of kings. There's no king in Israel right now. Are y'all with me? Say amen. But the prophets promise there's one coming. There's one coming. Now, that's where we left off last week. Well, <clears throat> what we're going to do this week is we're going we're to talk about the king's herald, the king's herald. Now, let's, let's kind of let's jump. We didn't really di discuss chapter 1 and chapter 2, so let me give you a brief synopsis of chapter 1. What is chapter 1? It's the genealogy, it's the genealogy, the, the, the family tree, if you will, of Jesus through Joseph, his adopted father. Are y'all with me? All right, through Joseph. Matthew traces it back all the way to Abraham, but through David. He had to be a son of Abraham because it was through Abraham the promise of his seed that would bless the whole world. In other words, God promised to Abraham that through his line there would be a Messiah. Okay? His line, there would be a deliverer. Through his line, there would be a savior. But it was through David that he promised the king. So what did he do? He traced his lineage all the way through David to, come on, to so Abraham, you have the Jewish bloodline. David, you have the kingly royal family. So he is the king of the... Whoop! Y'all getting it? Say amen. Now, now, so we, have the, so we have the bloodline. Why? Because the Jews wanted to know, do you qualify? Because you got to understand, right now, they don't have those... They don't have... Matter of fact, your Bible, your Bible has the only papers, if you will... The only legitimate papers that reveal that bloodline. Because when the Romans came into Israel and came into Jerusalem and destroyed the temple and destroyed the city of Jerusalem, they destroyed all of the records. So what you have is the only thing on earth that shows the lineage. Isn't that great? Say amen. But they needed to know, does he qualify? Does he have a right? Does he have a right to the throne of David? And as a son of David, yes, he does. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And then secondly, we see it in the second chapter. In the second chapter, we have the proclamation, the announcement from the wise men. The wise men that came from the east. If you'll remember in chapter number two, it says there came when Jesus was born, there came these wise men and, and, and said, where is he that is born king of the Jews? Now, who were these wise men? I believe they were from Babylon. That's what I believe in that general area. 
Because see, in, in the book of Daniel, you'll find out Daniel was in captivity. Daniel was an Old Testament prophet. And, and more specifically, Daniel is the Old Testament version of the New Testament revelation. And Daniel predicted the very time that the prince, the Messiah, would be born. So how do you reckon those wise men, the magi, it was those that Daniel was over and had responsibility and authority over. And you can go read that later. That'll save you some time, but go check that out. Daniel taught all them that there was going to be a Jewish king, a Jewish Messiah, a Jewish deliverer come, and he knew exactly when he'd be born. And guess what? They showed up when he was. Now, now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. They said, where is he that's born king of the Jews? This is his birth announcement. Are y'all with me? This is his birth announcement. And not only that, but we see, really, we see the first time. We, now, now, this is in the New Testament. We see the first time that Satan attacks the coming king. You see, Herod, King Herod, Herod the Great, he took that as a threat. Oh, my goodness, somebody's going to threaten my kingdom. And he went and had the babies, all the male babies killed in Bethlehem and the surrounding areas from two years old and younger. You see, the devil's trying to stop the king. We know God super, supernaturally, he, he, he protected him and, 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 and Herod was not able to get to him. So in, in, in chapter 1, we have the genealogy. Chapter 2, we have the, the proclamation, the birth announcement of the king of the Jews. He has arrived. Well, by the time we get to chapter 3, we're about 30 years into this deal. Okay? 30 years from the birth to, to where we are now. Are y'all with me? Amen. 30 years. We find where we're at at this point. Now... We have, we have, we believe the cousin of Jesus, uh, John Baptist. He's the, the son of Zacharias and Elizabeth. And he has been prophesied about, he's been told about, and he is the forerunner or the herald, if you will. Say that with me. The king's, everybody say it, the king's. Now watch this. In ancient times, in ancient times, it was common for a herald to precede the arrival of the monarch, to announce his coming, and to prepare for his safe and proper travel. With a host of servants, the herald would make sure that the roadway was as smooth and uncluttered as possible. Holes would be filled. Rocks and debris would be removed. And unsightly litter would be burned or hidden. As the group traveled along and worked, the herald would proclaim the king's coming to everyone he encountered. His twofold duty was to proclaim and to prepare. Say that with me. His twofold duty was to and to prepare. That is what John's ministry did for God's great king, Jesus Christ. Preacher, what are you saying? Jesus is about to come forth as the king. He is coming to present himself as the king that has been promised. So every monarch would have a herald, would have a herald or a forerunner, one that would go before. Say that with me. One that would go And what's he doing? The king is coming. The king is coming and he would prepare the way. He would make the path straight. He would clear the way. He was not only preparing the way for the king, he was preparing the people to receive their... Does that make sense? All right, now let's look. Let's look at the Bible. Number one, if you're taking notes, I want you to see the herald promised. The herald promised. If we go back to the Old Testament, if we go back to the Old Testament, you find Isaiah 40 verse 3. This is the first prophecy we find of John Baptist coming from Isaiah. He says, the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness. What's that word? <clears throat> Say it again. Prepare. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall be made straight in the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Look what it says in, in Matthew chapter 3. It says, In those days, John the Baptist preaching in where? The wilderness. Where was the voice crying in Isaiah 3? In the wilderness. It's saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he. This is he. It is saying, Matthew is saying to all the Jewish people, This is who Isaiah was talking about. Does that make sense? 
This is Isaiah saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So what happened? The prophet Isaiah, many years before Jesus ever arrived, said that God would send a forerunner. God would send a herald to prepare the people for their king. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Malachi chapter 4. Malachi chapter 4 verse 5. Behold, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall, what's that word? Turn is a key word. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, the heart of the children to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. In other words, the very last chapter, the very last chapter we find of Malachi or the Old Testament Before God closed the Old Testament, he said, I'm going to send a messenger before I send the king. I'm going to send one in the power of Elijah. Elijah's coming to announce the king. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Amen. Now I want you to look. I want you to look. I'm I'm going to read this. I'm going to read this, but it's in Luke chapter 1. In Luke chapter 1, verse, three, verse 13, this is the prophecy concerning uh, the angel speaking to Zacharias. Look what he says. In Luke 1, 13, But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son. And thou shalt call his name John, and thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall turn, say that with me, shall he turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him, before him, before who? The Lord, before the King, before the Messiah, before the Deliverer. He shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias or Elijah. Are y'all with me? So God is promising that there's going to be a herald. There's going to be a forerunner. There's going to be somebody to go before the king to prepare the way for the king. And he's going to come in the power of Elijah. He's going to be full of the Holy Ghost, even in his mother's womb. Say amen. Now watch what Matthew, listen, look what Matthew says in chapter 17. Look what Matthew says in chapter 17. This is on the, this is on the, the Mount of Transfiguration. The disciples asked Jesus, and his disciples asked him, saying, Why then say the scribes that Elias must first come? And Jesus answered and said unto them. Now this is way after John the Baptist had already been beheaded. Are y'all with me? This is toward the end of Jesus' ministry, the end of the three years. He says, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elias truly shall first come and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elias is come, what? Say it again. Already. And they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. Then the disciples understood that he spake unto them of Are y'all with me? So there is no doubt whatsoever. There is, there is no speculation whatsoever that John Baptist was the forerunner. John Baptist was the herald. John Baptist was the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. He came to prepare the people for their king, to turn them from their sins, turn from their sin, and turn to their God. Say amen. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Amen. So we we see the herald is promised. God promised it in the Old Testament. The very last chapter of the Old Testament before the New Testament, God promised it again. And then right before his birth, God promised it again to Zacharias and Elizabeth and said, your boy is going to be the one. And guess what Matthew said? And it happened. It was fulfilled. All right, now look at number two. Number two. We not only see the herald promise, but we see the herald's purpose. The herald's purpose. Say that with me. The herald's purpose. And if you're writing notes, A, it's to prepare the people for their king. To prepare the people for their king. Watch what he says. Well, let me, let me, let me go back. Let me go back just a minute. Just y'all, y'all, y'all right or whatever y'all doing. Isaiah 40 says this. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. 
Malachi chapter 4 verse 6 says, And he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers. And in Matthew 17 it says, in, uh, uh, Well, let me go back. Let me go back to, to, to Luke. He told Zacharias, he told Zacharias in Luke 1, he says in verse 15, He shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb, and many of the children of Israel shall he turn, say that with me, shall he turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make... Everybody, to make a people, what's the next word? Prepared for the Lord. Prepared for the Lord. Now watch this, watch this. As we keep reading down through John, or Matthew chapter 3, the Bible says that in verse 6, and they were baptized of him in Jordan confessing their sins. But watch this. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, now, what does that mean? What he just said, if you was to talk in Alabama slang, he said, you a snake, your papa's a snake, your grandpapa's a snake. You come from a long line of snakes. That's what he just said. And, and, they, and they say preachers are too abrasive today. The snowflakes of this day would not be able to handle John Baptist. Amen. That's all I'm going to say right there. Watch what he says. He says, who has warned you? Come to this. He said, when he saw the Pharisees and Sadducees come to this baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits, meat, or worthy of repentance, show you've repented. Watch what he says. This is so important that you get this. And think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid into the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Here's what he's saying. It's not good enough for you to say you're a Jew. He is preparing the people for their king. And they had an unhealthy, they had an unhealthy belief that because they were Jewish, they were God's children and they were all that. And all they had to do was wait on God to send a deliverer and God was going to do it. But the problem was they had a heart problem. And if you go through the Old Testament, you'll find out that the prophet said, you flatter me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. They were still going through the rituals. They were still going through the routines. They were still going to the tabernacle and temple. They were still going through the fluff, but their heart was not right with God. Are y'all with me? And so what was the first word of the message? Repent. What does the word repent mean? Turn. Are y'all with me? You see, in order for the nation of Israel to be prepared for their king, there had to be a national, nationwide repentance. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now let me, let, me, let me share with you just a couple things. He's in the wilderness. I, I, I wanna, did we have those pictures? Were y'all able to get them, them pictures? I want to I show you. I want to show you a picture here. This, this is uh, a picture... This is a picture of the area where they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. All right? You see that little cave right there? Everybody see that in the wilderness there? There were several caves in this area where they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. And you say, what are the Dead Sea Scrolls? It is the oldest documents that we have that contain the Word of God, the Old Testament, Isaiah. I got to see a whole, the whole book of Isaiah laid out in a museum when we went to Israel. Matter of fact, we went here. We stood here at this very site. And this was at Qumran. Qumran. I don't say it right, but that's what. Q-U-M-A-N. All right? Qumran. At this place, there was a group of, of men. Essens. If I say that right, Essens. They, were, they had split off. They left Jerusalem because at the time of John Baptist, at the time of Jesus, they believed that the priesthood was corrupt. 
And, and guess what? It was. And they believed in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They called themselves the sons of light. And they came to this area, they came to this area to, to quote scripture, to copy scripture, to study scripture. And that's all they did all day long. Scripture, scripture, scripture. And they performed. This was the funniest thing. I mean, it, all the time, everywhere we went, they would have little bath areas. Little bath areas. like little. It looked like little mini swimming pools with steps going down in it. And it was for body purification. In other words, they would take baths several times a day because in their ceremony... In their ceremony and in their rituals, it would just be a type of cleansing. They wanted to always be clean, always be pure, and they would, they would wash themselves. And they would spend time together studying the scriptures. And it is believed by many Bible scholars, it is believed by, let me, let me show me that other picture there. This is the area right here that they do an archaeological digs. They're seeing this, and I, I meant to put one of the little bath areas there for that. But as you see the steps going down in there, they would, they would use this. And as they study the scriptures, and they believe that this is where, and this is the group of people that John was hanging out with in the wilderness. This is where he studied. This is where that he spent time in the wilderness. Now, y'all can see that's wilderness. Are y'all with me? And, and many of the things that he said, like the, the viper comment, they found that. They found that in the wording, in the terminology of the scrolls. So what he said, what he wore, and what he ate was very familiar and run parallel with this group of people. They were truly God-fearers and God-believers who believed in God. So John's, and I believe this is possibly true, So this is the area John's hanging out and John's spending time. And listen, the word of God comes unto him. And because the priesthood is corrupt, he is trying to turn the people from the fake religion that they are following, the corrupted religion they are following, and turn to the real and living God. Now what's the Bible say? What's the Bible say? You remember the promise to Solomon in the temple? Remember the promise to Solomon in the temple where he says, Lord, if we get ignorant on you and we do dumb things and we go into wickedness and sin, if you have to deal with us, if you have to chasten us and punish us, if we will turn to you and pray, would you forgive us of that and, and restore us and all? And this is, this is God's return answer to that prayer. He said, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and say it with me. Turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven. Are y'all with me? I'll heal their land. In other words, I'll restore and I'll bless you again. So what was needed? What was necessary for the people to be prepared for their king? They had to. So what what is the forerunner? What is the prepare for the king doing? He's saying, turn. Or what's the word? Our Repent. Say it with me. Say it again. Say it again. Repent. Repent. But there's a problem. They didn't think they needed to. We're Abraham's children. We're God's people. And you know what he said? Don't bank on that. You seen it? We just read it. Don't, don't say we, we're Abraham's children. God has the ability to raise up out of these stones children unto Abraham. You know what he's saying? Don't, don't, you, don't you rely on your bloodline. Because it's going to take more of who your grandfather was to get you in. Are y'all with me? You need to repent. Which means to turn. And all God's people see it. All right? Listen, Deuteronomy 31, 30 verse 1. And it shall come to pass when all these things are come upon thee, the blessing and the curse which I have set before thee, and thou shalt call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord thy God hath driven thee. That's their dispersion. That's their exile. If you'll return unto the Lord, that means turn, repent. Thou shalt return unto the Lord thy God and shalt obey his voice according to all that I command thee this day. Thou and thy children with all thine heart and with all thy soul. Then, 
Then the Lord thy God shall turn thy captivity and have compassion on thee and will return and gather thee from all the nations whether the Lord thy God has scattered thee. Somebody say amen. amen. They had to repent. In order to prepare the people, listen, they had to quit trusting in the external. How many times did you see, as you have read the New Testament, how much God focused on the inside? Now, he is promising them an outside kingdom, a real, sure enough, tangible, touchable, physical kingdom on this earth, on the earth, throne of David, on the earth, in Jerusalem. Okay, that's where the capital would be. But in order to be prepared for the physical kingdom, the outward kingdom on earth, they had to have an inner revival. They had to confess their sins. They had to quit their surface religion. Let me say that again. Everybody pay attention. They had to quit their surface religion and get real with God. Now, I know we're dealing with a Jewish historical fact and we're dealing with a Jewish book and we're we're studying the promises to the Jews right here. But let me say this. With that being said, there's way too many people in here that has a surface religion. You're here this morning and I thank God for it. But that's about all you have. God cares what you do on the outside. But it's critical that you have him on the inside. Because a surface religion won't get you into heaven. The Bible says in the last days that many shall have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. They have a form. They have an outward appearance of being right, have an outward appearance of being religious. You can be just like the Pharisees and the Sadducees who God says you're like whited sepulchers. In other words, you're pretty and marble and clean and, 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 and spectacular on the outside, but on the inside you're full of dead men's bones. Yeah. And you may look the part on the outside, you may talk the Christian language all you want, but on the inside, that's where it counts. Amen. And all God's people say it. Amen. Look at his message. Look at his message. He's preaching. Verse 2. We see number three, the herald's preaching. The herald's preaching. We see his pro- he's promised. We see his purpose. He's got to prepare the people for their king. But look what he says in verse 2. And saying, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. All right, now I want to, I wanna, we're going we're gonna to study a little bit right now. <clears throat> We're going to study a little bit right now. We're going to dig. We got to to determine, and this is is a major, major key factor in in really understanding the rest of Matthew. All right, you got to understand this. In Matthew, you're going to find two phrases. One, the kingdom of God, and the other, kingdom of heaven. You're going to find the kingdom of heaven 32 times, and you're going to find the kingdom of God, I believe it's six times. In the book of Matthew. In the book of Matthew, in the book of Matthew, it is the only time, it's the only gospel that you will find the phrase kingdom of heaven. Okay, it's not found in Mark, it's not found in Luke, and it's not found in John. There's a reason for that. Who is Matthew writing to? The Jews. Okay, the kingdom of heaven has to do with the Jewish physical kingdom on this earth that has nothing to do with the Gentiles. And I'll show you that in just a minute. But first, let's talk about about the kingdom of God and what does it mean, okay? We'll let the Bible... And here's what I want to do. I want to try to define this with the Bible, okay? Because I've read so many different commentaries and and they all disagree. And so we're not going to use a commentary in this situation. We're just going to take the Bible to to define what these are. Uh, There are commentaries. As a matter of fact, uh, MacArthur... He, he, he says that it's the same thing. They're synonymous. They're the same thing. But they're not. I disagree, vehemently disagree with it. Okay? There's a reason that this phrase is only found in Matthew. They're speaking. He's speaking to the, about their kingdom and about their king. Okay? 
Now, watch this. Let's look at first. A. What's the first word he uses in his message in verse number two? And saying, repent, repent, okay? Now look, A, we see he talks about the kingdom of God. This is spiritual. This is spiritual, okay? Anytime you see the phrase kingdom of God, it's referring to the spiritual side, the righteousness. In other words, God's reign in your heart. God's reigning in your heart, the spiritual, the inside. Now, let's, let's show you that. Let's show you that. Look at, at, at on your notes. The kingdom of God defined. Romans 14, 17 gives us a definition of this. Romans 14, 17. Look at your notes. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. And that's, in other words, it's not something you can tangibly touch. It's not physical. It's not material things. Are y'all with me? It's not meat and drink, but... Right, come on everybody, but and peace and joy in the the Holy Ghost. Is the Holy Ghost a spirit? Yes, he is. Okay? So so we see that, that the kingdom of God is defined as a spiritual thing. It's not tangible, it's not touchable, it's not material, it's not meat and drink, it's righteousness, the righteousness of God in us, his rule in our hearts and our lives. Luke 17 20. Luke 17 20. And it says, and when he was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God, the kingdom of what? God should come. He answered them and said, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. And he says, it's not something that you can see with your eye. Okay. It says, neither shall they say lo here or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of is where? Within you. Do you see what he's saying? It's in you. The kingdom of God is his spiritual rule in your heart and in your life. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. How many of y'all would say by now, that point is no doubt about what we're talking about. Okay, if you will look in Matthew, if you will look in Matthew, I think I gave you, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, I think five different references that is used in Matthew with the kingdom of God. All of them have to do with spiritual issues. In Matthew 6, he says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. His righteousness. Isn't that what we found in Romans? Righteousness. All right? Matthew 12, 25. And Jesus knew their thoughts, and he said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. Now let me, let me give you a little hint to what he's talking about. This is where Jesus cast out demons. All right? And Jesus cast out devils. What are devils? Spirits. Thank you. All right. What are devils? Spirits. All right. So he cast out evil spirits. And and the Pharisees and Sadducees, they said, hey, you're doing this by the power of the devil. You're doing this by the... In other words, you're of the devil. And he's saying, what? The devil's going to cast himself out? Watch. Watch. This is what he's saying. He said, if I by Beelzebub, that's Satan, cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore, that's a, anyway, he cut them right there. Therefore, they shall be your judges. But if I cast out devils, watch this now, by the Spirit of God, God, that's a capital S, that's the Holy Ghost, all right? The Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. What is he saying? This is a spiritual deal. This is a spiritual, anytime you see the kingdom of God, he's always talking about a spiritual realm, a spiritual kingdom, a spiritual rule. If you follow me so far, say amen. amen. All right, look at Matthew 20, or Matthew 19, verse 24. Again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Matthew 21, 31. Whether of them twain did the will of my father, they say unto him, the first, Jesus saith unto them, verily I say unto you, the publicans and harlots will go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came unto you in the way of righteousness. There's that word again. And ye believed or not, but the publicans and harlots, what they do? What do you believe with? Your heart. And, and ye, when ye had seen it, repented not afterwards that ye might believe him. Believe him. What's he saying? The kingdom of God is the spiritual kingdom. Now, MacArthur says that the that, that reason that Matthew used the kingdom of heaven uh, uh, is because he didn't want to uh, 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 
offend the Jewish people, you know, because they would not even use God. They would spell it different and they, because they were real respectful for that name. But if that was the case, he wouldn't have used it all them times. Okay? But he did use both. He used kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God to show you they're two different things. They're two different things. Okay? Now, let's describe, and, and this is going to make sense. Just bear with me. I'm, I'm telling you, the only way you're going to, have to learn how to swim in the deep end of the pool is sometimes you've got to take floaties off. Say amen. All right. Now, let's talk about the kingdom of heaven. Let's talk about the kingdom of heaven. Okay, what is the kingdom of heaven? It is the literal, physical, tangible, touchable kingdom here on this earth where Jerusalem is the capital, where the throne of David will be, okay? It is a real, it's a real kingdom, all right? It's just like Solomon's kingdom, just like David's kingdom, but it's going to be extended and it's going to be here on earth, and this is what John is saying. Are y'all with me? The kingdom of heaven, that kingdom that was promised by the prophets That kingdom that was promised to David through the prophet Nathan, it is, it's here. How do you know that? He's the forerunner. He's going before the, he's getting the people ready for their, what does a king have? A kingdom. Does this make sense? Now watch. Watch, this is where I, first we see Matthew chapter 10. It was only for the Jews. This this message that he's given is only for the Jews. When he sent out his disciples, look who he's talking to. Matthew 10, 5. These 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them saying, Go out, or excuse me, go not. Say that with me. Don't go, he says. Go not into the way of the... And into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of... Now, what are you going to tell the house of Israel? As ye go, preach, saying, the kingdom of is at Now, why did he say, don't go to the Gentiles? Because it wasn't a Gentile kingdom. God did not promise to the Gentiles a kingdom. God promised it to Abraham. God promised it to David and his people. Y'all with me? So the kingdom of heaven was primarily... For the Jews. He's saying, this that I promised you all through the Old Testament is finally here. It's finally here. You say, oh, no, 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 that's talking about salvation. No, it's not. No, it's not, or he'd have sent them to everybody. Who is salvation for? Whosoever will. You see, we're going to see that, and we're going to talk about that in John. And John is where we find, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that Whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But that's not what we're talking about in Matthew. We're talking about the king. We're talking about a Jewish content, Jewish information. Look this way, everybody. We're talking about, we're talking about the kingdom for the Jewish people. That's why I said, don't go to the Gentiles, don't go to the Samaritans, only go to the Jews. Because I'm their kingdom is here. Now watch. It was only for the Jews. Then it was number two. It was a literal physical kingdom. Matthew 11 describes it. Verse 12. He says, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. And the violent take it by force. The violent take it by force. Let me ask you a question. Brother, Brother Montgomery, you're here. Do you have the Holy Ghost in you? Okay. All right, is there any way possible that I could violently take the Holy Ghost out of you? So what you have in you is the kingdom of God. His spiritual rule, his spirit in you. You are being directed, you're being guided, you're being uh, ruled by the spirit of God in you, right? Could I violently take that out of you? Okay, let's say your, your castle, your castle at home. Your home is your castle, right? Okay. Now, could I violently take that from you? I could. I could get a weapon, and I could come, and I could make you leave, and I could burn it down if I want to, right? Because that's a physical, tangible. Inside of you is the kingdom of God. That would be considered the kingdom of heaven. It is a physical, tangible, touchable, that I can take by force. Does this make sense? 
Jerusalem and Israel have suffered violence for years. And over and over again, the violent have taken it. Over and over again by force. So what is he talking about? He's talking about a physical kingdom. He's talking about a literal physical kingdom. And when you see this, every time you see in, because we're going to see this over and over as we go through this. And you got to understand this. Because if you don't, you're going to get everything mixed up in Matthew. The kingdom of heaven is referring to the literal physical kingdom that God is offering the nation of Israel that he promised to Isaiah, he promised through Daniel and all the other prophets, and now the king is here. The, the, listen, the wise men pronounced it, and they said, Hey, we've come to seek the king of the Jews. Where's he at? Where's he at? And now, John Baptist, 30 years later, he's saying, Okay, okay. The wise men said the king is born. Now I'm here to tell you he's here. He's here. All right, church, say amen. amen. Now watch this. Watch this. <clears throat> Luke 1.30. Luke 1.30. Oh, back up, back up, back up, back up, back up, back up. Look under Matthew again. For all the prophets, and are y'all with me? Verse 13. This is really good. Watch this. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John. And what's that next word? If. If. How many of y'all know that's only two letters, but that's a huge word. If ye will receive it. What is the it? The kingdom. The kingdom. He said, if ye will receive it, this is Elias. Who? He's talking about John Baptist. Who did we know? Who did, who did Isaiah say? Who did Malachi say? And who did the angel tell Zacharias that that Isaiah or, or that uh, uh, Elijah would, who is that? John Baptist. Now watch what he says. He says, if you will receive it, what? The message of John the Baptist, the message of the kingdom. This is Elias, who? John Baptist, which was for to come. In other words, this is what he's telling them. He's saying, look. If y'all will receive this, if you will believe as a nation, not as an individual. We know several individuals believed in Jesus. But as a nation, the Bible says he came into his own and his own what? He is saying, if you will receive this, then John will be that Elijah who was promised by Isaiah and promised by Malachi and I'll set my kingdom up. But guess what they did? Guess what they did? They received him not. They received him not. That's why, that's why Jesus is not on the throne this day in Jerusalem, in Israel, ruling the world. Because he came into his own. And his own, but Jesus is saying right here, if you will receive it, this will be the fulfillment of it right here. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Watch this. There's more. Luke 1.30. How do you know this is a physical? Because see, most, most commentaries, they don't want to believe that. Most of them even don't even want to believe that the, the, the Old Testament goes all the way up to the cross. And we'll, we'll show more of that later on. But they're trying to say all this is spiritual. All this is spiritual. It can't be. Why? Watch this. Watch this. Luke 1.30. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary. This is the angel speaking to Mary. For thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name. So who are we talking about? Jesus. He shall be great. He shall be called the son of the highest. Watch this now. And the Lord God shall give unto him the of his father. And he shall reign over the house of who? Jacob, that's the Jews, forever. In his kingdom there shall be no end. So what is he, what, what, is, what is the angel telling Mary right here? You're going to give birth to a son, and your son is going to assume the throne of David. Where is the throne of David? In heaven or in earth? In earth. Where at on earth? Jerusalem. He is talking about a real, physical, tangible, touchable kingdom here on this earth. So anytime we see the phrase kingdom of heaven, it's referring to the Jewish kingdom that was promised by God in the Old Testament. 
in Jerusalem will be a throne. And by the way, by the way, I know what some of y'all are thinking. Well, what happens now? They rejected him. So what happens now? God said, and now he's building a church. He has turned from the Jews nationally, and now he's working with the Gentiles, building a church. But don't ever think the church took Israel's place because there's coming a day at the end of the church age that God is going to call the church home. And listen, the king is coming again. In Revelation 19, he's going to come on a white horse and he's going to do what he would have done if they would have received him the first time. Anyway, look. The Jewish people as a nation still have not received him. And the reason they have not received him or believe in Jesus as their Messiah, what was the first word John said? Repent. Because they have not repented. You got to turn. If you're going to be prepared for the Lord, you got to repent. You got to turn. You got to trust. He's all, listen, this is all about the king. We're going to see the Sermon on the Mount. You're going to find out that this was the king's manifesto. This is what it would be like in the kingdom. And there's so many things we're going to learn. Now, let me answer a question. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. Because <clears throat> I'm getting that dazed and confused look. <clears throat> Preacher, why are we talking about this? Why are we talking about this? If this was for the Jews and it was the Jews' kingdom and doesn't have nothing to do with the church, then why are we talking about this? This is the reason why. Over the years, over the years, there's been well-meaning preachers and teachers who have taken many things out of the book of Matthew and applied to the church which was for the nation of Israel. And it has caused confusion. It has caused false doctrine. It has caused a misunderstanding of some of the teachings of Christ. And so you need to understand this. So as we go through Matthew, you'll understand when he's speaking to the Jewish people and when he's talking about the church. Because see, the church was not even mentioned. The church was not even talked about. The New Testament was not even discussed Till the night before his crucifixion. When Jesus, watch this. When Jesus knew without a shadow of a doubt. He was going to be rejected. You see when Jesus came in. When Jesus came in on the donkey. How many of y'all remember that? And there's crowds crying. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. He didn't just need a donkey to have a ride. He did that because the Old Testament said the king would come on a donkey. And he's, what is he doing? He's telling the nation of Israel, here I am. Here I am. And the very group that one, one day cried, Hosanna, Hosanna to the king, Hosanna, Hosanna to the king, turned around and said, crucify him, crucify him. His blood be on us and our children. There are some things you're going to learn as we go through this that you're going to think, it's not important. Yes, it is. Because later on, you're going to see the significance of it and you're going to see why he said what he said and to who he said what he said. And then some of those things you've been confused about most of your Christian life, it's all going to make sense. And all God's people say it. How many of y'all are glad he sent the king? Amen. Amen. Let's stand. Let's stand. Father, we thank you, Lord.